everyone, and welcome to Minute 159 of the Great Escape Minute, the, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Hugh Keen from the National Treasure Minute. Welcome back, Hugh. Thank you, yeah. We're, um, got, what, two more days left this week to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Two more days of, of talking of about Roger uh, trying to escape. We pretty much get comple- yeah, completely get to talk about... Uh, Everything that Big X does in order to make it out of here, hopefully alive. So, minute 159 begins with Roger climbing over a uh, small barbed wire fence and goes all the way to the point where Roger feels comforted by the calm on the street. So, yep. basically, as we were discussing yesterday, Mac just got caught. Roger continued to try away, and what he does is he is running on the rooftops, which we yesterday questioned how he actually got on those rooftops so quickly so easily and he has reached a slightly fenced off area barbed wire fence and he puts his hand right on the barbed wire and then uh, in this minute yep. he actually climbs over that barbed wire he, uh, he touches it a few more times also yeah i have a we talked about this uh, uh yesterday but um i have another anecdote about barbed wire um just to demonstrate um how not easy it is to get over. Barbed wire uh, my, are always welcome. <laughs> yeah, uh, my my dad worked on a farm when uh, he was a kid, and he always tells a story that he was going to feed um, the, either the pigs or the cows. I can't remember. And he had, between him and the job was a barbed wire fence, and he had driven his truck out to do it. And his favorite song was on the truck radio. And I can't remember what the song is, sadly. <laughs> um, yeah. Old Keen had a farm. Uh, How's that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he didn't want to miss the song, but he had to go do this chore. So he had the the feed in one hand, and so he was in a hurry. So he tried to jump the barbed wire fence. And either on the way over or on the way back over, he had, like, khakis on. And he, like, ripped his khakis all the way down. Oh, wow. Like, like just because he was in a hurry. And I think he ended up getting in trouble because they were a pair of pants that his parents didn't want him to damage. Yeah, that could, so, that could be problematic. Just, so, just uh, the reason I'm bringing that up, uh, because we talked about it yesterday as well, but it's uh, Roger gets over this barbed wire fence really fast. Um, and it's not the tallest barbed wire fence, Um like, you obviously don't need to jump over it. It's not that tall, but it's still, um, it still catches. I mean, that's why how they designed barbed wire, so. Yeah, the question is whether whether it's, it's, it's because of all his adrenaline is punching, pumping at this point, of whether that actually yeah. helps him, you know, not feel the pain of, of touching the, I guess, the fake barbed wire. Because if it was real barbed wire, he would actually, <laughs> he, you know, yeah. Richard Anborough would be screaming in pain. But another funny thing about it is, why is there even barbed wire on this wall? Because nobody's going to, no one in their right mind is going to be jumping from this road that he gets on, like, getting off, jumping off that wall. Like, and then they'll, like, it's obviously not a good enough barbed wire fence if somebody like Roger can just walk up on a roof and get over it. I'm just questioning why it's even there. I have absolutely no idea. Maybe safety reasons? Maybe it's a safety 
precaution Possibly. so that kids won't climb up yeah. there to, to play? I don't know. I guess that's true. Well, it could be. But but this actually also answers possibly how he got up onto the roof in the first place. Maybe there was another street. Because this, this is, uh, you know, the fact that he's going from a roof onto a street shows that it's possible that there's another place where he was on the street and then he just had to quickly go over, uh, you know, small little barbed wire fence and then be able to, to run across the rooftops on his own. I don't know. That's true. It's not something that, that you normally think about. Also, it's just interesting that he's continuing to traverse, uh, like, terrain and rooftops and road, and it's like, I feel like the key to not getting caught here is to find a place where you're not going to be found and stay there until they have stopped looking as intently yes. or let everything cool right, down. But he doesn't know where um, he is. And I feel he like doesn't he's, know if he's going to be able to do that. That's true. But I feel like these rooftops are s- at least safer than being on a road again. Yeah. Uh, for the time yeah, being. I definitely would agree uh, with that. No, but then but again, if someone anyway. sees him on the rooftop, then that's going to be even more suspicious. You know why That's is someone running? Because he's also he's running along the rooftop. He's not he's not walking casually. You know he, he when he goes over the barbed wire and then jumps onto the street, he also starts running until he hits a small corner and then he decides that he's going to start walking because he I guess he realizes there's nobody around. He might as well do it as calmly as possible. Yeah, and we we see like a dove fly in the middle of the street. You know to once again show how calm this whole area apparently is. Mm-hmm. And then he walk, he's walking down the street a little calmly. He sees a car coming, and I love what he does. He turns around and wipes the sweat off of his brows. Yeah. You know, to, to also, I think he's trying at the same point to, to calm his breath down because he's just been running. So, he, you know, he, he must be breathing quite heavily. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around. Now, when you turn around like this, if, if the driver or anyone in this car is looking, they're going to notice someone turning yes. around like this. yes. I also thought that. It, it, because when he, he's walking straight, and then once the, the car comes into sight, he turns around, which makes it even more suspicious. And then the car shows up, and out come three soldiers, an officer and two soldiers. They all pull their guns. Mm-hmm. And, which and, seems and, like overkill. Yes, completely. <laughs> Meaning, are you sure that this is... I guess... And, well, the funny thing is, is that none of these prisoners are ever shown, none of these escapees are shown any type of weapon. Okay, but the the German, the way that they're treated is as if, you know, how you would treat someone if you, you suspected them of being armed and dangerous. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying they're not dangerous. You know, you'd think that someone who's an escape prisoner is somewhat dangerous, but they're not necessarily armed. Yeah. But, like, but, but in this then, situation... Yeah, maybe he was able to get a gun at some point. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just like, in this situation, it's already three on one. So, we really only, if we need a gun, we only really need one gun. <laughs> right. Unless the, the, the commander doesn't doesn't trust his two soldiers. That's you know, true. They're, they're not good shots. They're, there's a reason why they're stationed <laughs> in the middle of this in the middle of this town instead of on the front. Yeah. So, then the, the, the German officer says, stand still, hands up. And then Roger continues walking to him and says, uh, why should I do that? And then does he say it in German? He says it in German, yes. Okay. He says, Was soll das? Okay. Uh, once again, I apologize to all, anyone who knows German and that's listening to this, because you're going to... I'm just uh, completely murdering the language by the way okay. I'm saying it. And then the, the German guard actually then speaks to him in English. Okay. And says, you're English? And I, it's great how Roger shows 
no fear here because he's continuing to walk to them. He obviously has his arms stretched out so that they know that he is uh, not someone that they need to worry about. Yeah. But still, he's you know he's doing it cautiously. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting. So you know the the German guard says uh, you're English, and then he responds actually in German, which okay. is, which is even funnier. So like, why would he understand? Apparently, you know, if the German officer speaks to him in English, you know, English is it's it's we're not talking about you know twenty twenty two at this point. We're talking about something that happened in nineteen forty four. Yeah. Not everyone in Germany, uh, not everyone in the world knew English or is able to get by on English the way that people yeah. are today because English is such a uh, prominent language, especially when you're dealing with the internet or anything like that. Most foreign conversations, you know, between people speaking different languages happen in English. Most. Yeah. You know, it's it's a common thread language. I don't, it wasn't that way in 1944. So why would the German officer respond to him in English by saying you are English? Uh, maybe it's, he's trying to trip him up the same way. Maybe that's that's the point here. They're trying to show us that that someone else is trying to trip trip Roger up by saying that. But Roger responds that he understood what he said because he goes, "Englander, says to him, uh, you, why are you threatening me with a gun?" Okay, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. That's not a response. Saying, "Ah, you think I'm I'm English? Why are you threatening me with a gun?" Huh. And then he says to him, "Put that away." And he he gets really close to the to the officer when he says that. You know, that, that's uh, showing a lot of guts by, by standing so close to the way these guns are being held out to him. The, the German says, ah, I noticed that you're German. And then Roger responds, of course I am. And then the German takes him on his word and, and says, ah, okay, it's nothing, sorry. And then they, they get back into the car and drive away. Which, th- this whole little uh, conversation between the two is really funny. You know, the German officer doesn't really even attempt to really try and find out if this is really a German or if this is the guy that they're, you know, that they just put on an alert for that's been running around the town, you know, this, this uh, prisoner that has shown up somehow or whatever. Yeah. So I, I just found that very interesting. I mean, I mean, obviously Roger is very convincing in his conversation with the German and the German is actually willing to take him for his word, I guess, at this point. And then they drive off. And then Roger just stands there a little bit taking a watching as the car drives away what was missing was him waving you know <laughs> by saying all right good yeah. luck take care of what you're doing or whatever it is but you can then also see the yeah. fear on his face once again basically realizing that how how close of a call he just had and that he's now uh, he seems to be waiting for something you don't know what he's really waiting for mm-hmm. now when he's standing there you see on the the on his right hand side our left a very large sign that uh, some sort of notice now what i found really funny is it starts off by saying the word uh aufruf, okay which okay. when when i looked that up that means that it's a call for something something is being called okay. it's, it's, a, it's a warning or something like that now for me being jewish i found this really funny because that's actually the what what they call the the, the weekend before a, a wedding that's the right before right okay. before the, the groom gets married so they have a special weekend for him right before and it's called the same thing and it, 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 it's not meant as a warning, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's meant more as a, you know, the people, they give him more honor on that particular weekend because of the fact that he's about to become a groom. So I just found that really funny that that, that word is used the same way. So then Roger continues walking down the street. I love the fact that, that as he's walking, he sees a newspaper stand and just takes a newspaper. I, I guess 
at that point people could just take newspapers it wasn't you know it's not as if he put put a quarter down or something like that for taking the newspaper you know he just walks down yeah. and takes it maybe maybe they're discarded used newspapers yeah i don't know you know and and this is once again a busy street he's he's no longer in a side alley street he's reached yeah. a, reached a you know a, a busy thoroughfare which which works to his advantage if he's trying to blend in a little more as we've discussed earlier mm-hmm. and he's still jogging yeah. he's just he's walking briskly I wouldn't say jogging. He's walking very fast. You know, we see everyone. Every, everyone's basically going around their business in a normal way. And it's it's not as if the entire town has been alerted to the fact that there is an escape prisoner walking around at some point. You see yeah. someone will go by on a bicycle again, which which, as you pointed out earlier this week, you know, maybe it would have behooved them to actually try to get a bicycle at this point. As we saw with Cedric, that yeah. worked. <laughs> Steal a bicycle, yeah. <laughs> and you can get across uh, the entire Germany. He reaches the corner and leans against mm-hmm. the corner of the, the wall. You know, it must be a building that's standing right there. I was trying to figure out what is right next to him. It doesn't make, it doesn't look, it, I thought it was like some sort of vending machine. But it doesn't. Okay. But Yeah, my first impression, just based on the color, was I was like, oh, this is some sort of fire department. Installation mm, or something. Because be. I was thinking at first that maybe it was a phone, but, book, phone booth, but it, it's not. But okay, that actually makes sense. That it might be a. I don't. But now that I'm looking at these little like vent things at the bottom, your suggestion makes more sense about a vending machine. Yeah, but it doesn't look like you can see what's in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you can't see it. Maybe maybe tomorrow when we actually get this, maybe they'll they'll pan out a little more, and we can actually see what is written on there. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You mentioned to me uh, earlier this week that you wanted to actually talk a little more about uh, Richard Attenborough. Yeah. This is probably yeah. the best point because uh, we get a great shot of him mm-hmm. right here at the, at the way this minute ends. Yeah, this is like his minute. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just... So I watched this movie when I was, I don't know, five or six uh, with my father um, for the first time. And I, we've watched it multiple times since then. Um, but then I watched Jurassic Park <laughs> when I was at some age, and it was after that. And I remember when my father told me that that the old guy from Jurassic Park is the is the, <laughs> this guy from The Great Escape. I, it, I was mind blown because I, to me as a kid, I felt like The Great Escape was such an old movie. There was no way, like someone in that movie could be in a movie that was more recent, like Jurassic Park. Meaning how are they still alive um, at this point, or how are they still acting? Yeah. Yeah, because I think as a kid, I was like, everybody in The Great Escape's dead. Like, like there's there's no... Like, I was like, that movie's got to be 100 years old or oh, something. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, as of, um, as of now, when we're recording this, there are three members of the cast that are still alive. When when this is released, hopefully that will that number will still remain the same. You never know. I mean basically you have David McCallum, John Layton, and William Russell are the three yeah. that are still alive. Hopefully hopefully when this airs they, they still will be. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Now when, when when you make this connection between between the two Richard Attenborough performances, could you see Hammond actually being an older big X? Meaning somehow Roger uh, stayed alive and eventually. Became... Yeah, I was so I was I was trying to make a like through a through line to, between both movies, um, but then I was like, well, he he dies, so I can't really, I can't, like that. It'd be hard to explain that, but um, no, I don't think I don't think I could see him being the characters being related. Um, 
but that's fair. It was one thing where it was just I don't know. I've had this, I've had this experience with other actors as well, where I'm like only ever seeing them in one movie, and then somebody tells me they're in another movie, and I actually realize it's them. And I think I I definitely watched Jurassic Park after my dad told me that, and I was like, oh, that is definitely him. Like I could tell it was the same actor, which. I think it's the eyes for me um, that because he has a beard and he's old, obviously, in Jurassic Park. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's exactly 30 years after they made this. OK, well, um, and then another thing about him is that I found out last night <laughs> that he directed Bridge Too Far, yes. which is my favorite war. Movie. Oh, really? Wow. So um, I, I mean, I can't say I've watched a ton of them. But out of all the old war movies I've watched, it's definitely the one I would like rewatch the yeah, most. Yeah, I, I love Bridge Too Far. I think it's great. Have you seen uh, Band of Brothers? I have not. So Band of Brothers has one episode that that takes place during Operation Market Garden, which is okay. Bridge Too Far. Yeah. So you can see like another perspective of parts of that okay. story, which is uh, which is great. I, I love a Bridge Too Far. Uh, it doesn't get a lo- uh, enough love, as far as I'm concerned. It, it does by me. Yeah, I just, <laughs> the cast, the cast, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's a beautiful movie. Also, I love the score yeah. from *A Bridge Too Far*. It's a great. It's I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, that's not the movie we're talking about today, obviously. But um, he did direct it, and so that made me happy as well yeah, that there was sure. that connection. Um, and then I also, I also just think that. As much as, like, Steve McQueen's name is on this movie, like, Richard Attenborough is who makes this movie. Like, like he makes the movie for me, as in, like, he's what completes it. Like, I don't... I think even though... Like, Steve McQueen's the first name on the sheet and everything, um, he, like... I don't think this movie's is as good as it is without Richard Attenborough. I, I completely agree with you. I, 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 think, I think the best way to quantify it is to say that the, the story wouldn't be as compelling without Richard Attenborough's input in it, but in the same breath, this movie wouldn't be as iconic as it is if it wasn't for Steve McQueen being in it, because Steve McQueen's scenes on, on that the is true. is what makes the fact that most people recognize this movie and see things like I mean, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from him, obviously. Um, uh, I think he, I, I'm not, I mean, I've seen a few Steve McQueen movies, but I'm not a super, I'm not super gung-ho for him. Um, And I know he wasn't the most, well, I don't know, because I didn't know him, but I, I've seen that other people have said he wasn't the most pleasant in a lot of movies he was in in terms mm-hmm. of like being like working with other people. Um, and so I just felt like the scenes knowing that and watching it again this week beforehand, I was like, he's sort of, um, he sort of like bows down in the scenes where he's with Richard Attenborough, like the first scene where he meets him, uh, where, where the characters meet. He's like Richard Attenborough is so yeah, like I mean he's the boss in this movie, so it's like it's interesting to see Steve McQueen like be such a big part of the movie, but not he's not really the star. I mean he doesn't he gets caught 
he's in the cooler. But that's the majority job. of the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I, just, for sure. I just thought it was interesting. And the way that this minute ends is we actually get a nice music cue that, that changes a little bit. And it, it gives us also a sense of safety. You know, that, that Roger has okay. made it. He's completely safe right now. He's made it, yeah. All right. You have anything else you want to about this minute? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about just, like, the lying aspect of, like, what they're doing in these past few, like, since they got out of the camp. Um, all the tension in the movie is about can they lie well enough to get mm-hmm. past the authorities? Um, like, can they deceive them when they're on the train? Can they, like they sit in front of the two yes. uh, officers on the train like in plain sight and everything and i think this movie does an excellent job of knowing how to lie like <laughs> i guess um that's not the proudest proudest thing i could talk about but it's like um that you you know people talk about being a good liar or a liar, and like the m- most important thing about being a good liar to me is like you are you're not just telling a lie, you're acting the part. Like you are you have to you have to believe it enough that the people you're lying to believe your truth. No question about it. And they, they, that's what they have to do here. In order to try to 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 make it through. Yeah, so basically I, I completely agree with what you're saying. The the way that, that these characters needed to lie works because that, that's what helps them to eventually get through whatever they need to get through in order to make it back home. Yeah, so I had the question that if you were a part of this scenario, like if you were um, involved in this escape and everything, what would be the part of it you would be best at? And I guess by that, what I mean is, would it be the planning of the getting out of the camp or the execution of getting out of the camp in terms of like, would you be the best at the day of and like figuring out the issues of how are we actually going to get the guys out of the tunnel now? Or would it be like post escape like because i think personally i would be best at lying after i was out of the camp really i think i would be a nervous i would be a nervous wreck in terms of like trying to actually get everything to work on the day it was supposed to happen um and like not like sort of how um what's his name the guy who doesn't like tunnels at the end danny um i would be like him on the day of but I think as soon as I got out of the camp, I would be really good at this part, the deception part. So I was wondering what you thought you okay, best well, at. First of all, that's very interesting because it says a lot about you. If you think that your best best yeah. best thing is uh, deception, so that that uh, that that does say quite a bit about you. <laughs> I, I mean, we I've had this discussion before where we've talked about uh, you know what type of specialties some of us would have while trying to, you know, if, if we were in this camp and stuff like that. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, my specialty in life is movies. So I don't know if that really would have would have been able to, to help <laughs> so much in the actual escape itself. It might be something that could help with the pl- in the planning stages. Because, you know, like they, they'd come to me and say, all right, well, you know, what do we need to plan? And I'll say, well, in this movie they did this, and in that movie they did that, and this. I think that's where my specialty yeah. would come in. Uh, so I would say planning. Okay. I'm not good at deception. I, I'm a very bad liar uh, because I, I give myself too quickly, which is also why I don't play poker for that same reason. Yeah. So I think I would I would be part of the planning team, and I probably wouldn't even want to be on on the escape itself. <laughs> I probably would be too too worried that I would get caught too quickly. 
Especially after seeing a movie like this, I would, you know, care that they would capture me real quickly yeah. and, and shoot me. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a, that was a great yeah. question. Thank you. Do you have uh, anything else you want to say yeah. about this minute? Yeah. Um, I have one more thing, and I'll probably talk about it more tomorrow. But it's um, the thing about this movie that I think is interesting is, and we talked about this before we started recording, but um, I've always considered it a war movie. But the it's like the last or the the war, war movie the only war movie i know that has this least amount of shooting like that ha- i'm just surprised shooting or death really how there's not much shooting in this movie like, actual like gun fights i guess is what i'm saying or like uses of like guns there's really only when ives is climbing the fence mm-hmm. um when the germans get killed at the shop this week um, and then when in the future, I don't know if you want, if you're, you can say it. And then we, we have the shot of, yeah, of so. them shooting on the, on the hilltop. So there's we'll not, discussing next week. there's not really, I guess that's reason why you wouldn't call it a war movie because there's not enough of that. Um, but it's a war movie because it takes place during the war. Yeah. That, that's what it comes down to. It's not an action war movie. It's, it's a dramatic war movie. Yeah. That's what, that's how I would classify it. But what you is that it can be a war movie and can be very effective, and they don't need so much shooting in it. Yeah, and they still are able to make. Yeah, that work. I think it works really well. Like I think if they tried to add more action in this, it would correct. It would uh, make it too. It wouldn't work. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to say about this minute? That's all I got. All right. So uh, why don't you once again tell people how they can touch with you? All right. Uh, yeah, you can find me um, at hughkeen.com if you want to look at any of my design work. Um, and then you can also uh, add me on Instagram um, at Q underscore R3K. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. You can go to our website, thegreatestgameminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. And our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. So, Hugh, you want to come back tomorrow to finish off the week? Yeah, I'm excited. All right, excellent. I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll see everyone else tomorrow. And until then, tally-ho. Tally-ho.